Coming up on today's show, what is the 355 schedule format? The ACC looking at a new way to do football scheduling instead of divisions. Could it help the Big Ten? I'm a big fan. We'll discuss it here on Locked On Big Ten. You are Locked On Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Big Ten. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson. Thank you for making Locked On Big Ten your first listen every weekday. Coming up on today's show, a look at the 355 schedule format the ACC is considering. Could it be better for the Big Ten than the current system of divisions and then a title game? We'll get to that in just a second. But first, thanks for making Locked On Big Ten your first listen every single weekday. It is the place to go for anything that you need going on in the conference. And of course, we'll have all of that for you here on the program today. Let's talk about what's going on here in football scheduling in the ACC, though. If you don't know exactly everything that's been talked about, the ACC's considering of getting rid of their divisions. ACC, like the Big Ten, has 14 teams. Instead, they would go for what they're calling a 3-5-5 football scheduling system. How it would work is every team in the conference has three teams that you play every year, and then the other 10 teams are split into two groups of five. You play one five one year, the other five the next. It's an idea that's supposed to, at the very least, get teams playing more of the teams in the conference more often. If you're a Big Ten football fan, you already know. One of the problems with the divisions, one of the few I'm going to go over here, is that you don't play everybody all that often. You play everybody who's near you all the time in your division, of course, but Big Ten fans know you only get really that one cross-conference game to play every single season. So if you're a fan of, say, Wisconsin, you're not getting to see Ohio State all the time. Meanwhile, a fan of an Indiana team has to presumably take a loss to an Ohio State team every single season. But anywho, the point being that you would get to play teams every year and also get to play everyone in the conference again more often. It's hard to schedule that way when you have that many teams in the conference. It solves one of the problems of the division. There are Again, fundamentally, I think at least what I can think of three problems with divisions, at least thinking of the Big Ten. Uh, first off, you can't play everyone as much. This is what we went over. You don't play every single team every single year. But in divisions right now, you're not playing a lot of the conference in the Big Ten. Seven teams. You're only playing them once every six, seven years. That's not exactly what you come into a conference for. And when you're thinking about the Big Ten... Yeah, you can talk about how good the Big Ten is, but really, in the football season, you should only really be talking about how good the Big Ten East is when you're comparing it to other Big Ten East teams and the schedules as such. It's a weakness, again, of conferences that are that large. You can't schedule everyone all the time, and compromises have to be made. But the compromise being made right now is that you play a lot of teams a lot of the time, but a lot of teams hardly ever, too. Switching to 3-5-5 means, again, you get three teams every year, five teams one year, five the next. You're never going more than two years without playing a team in your conference. It solves the problem of not playing teams hardly very often at all. The second problem, 
you cannot play a rival in both the regular season and the conference championship game. It was a big discussion when moving to division for Big Ten with Michigan and Ohio State. When the Big Ten championship game gets put in, it was trying to figure out, should we have Michigan and Ohio State every year in the regular season by putting them in the same side of the conference, or should we make it so that there could be a Michigan-Ohio State Big Ten championship game by putting them in opposite divisions? But then you only get Michigan-Ohio State once every six, seven years. You can't have that. Michigan-Ohio State goes to a Big Ten regular season game that then in turn cannot be a Big Ten championship game given the division format. The 3-5-5 solves that too. No divisions, no requirement to have one from each side in that Big Ten title game. The Big Ten can put its two best teams in the conference championship every single season. That's huge for the Big Ten. And also, that really is the third problem, really, is that you need to have your two best teams in the conference championship game, right? It's something that the Big Ten hasn't had in a while or at least certainly not with any sort of consistency, because you've had your Michigan, you've had your Ohio State. But even outside of that, the East has dominated in recent seasons. It would have benefited the Big Ten so much more to be able to have thrown, say, an Ohio State-Michigan Big Ten championship game this season. If you go to this new system, that happens. And I think that's part of the reason why this, in particular for the Big Ten, really, really helps. It gives the Big Ten Conference itself more flexibility in being able to present a resume that is most appealing to the college football playoff committee. Because remember, that's the goal all along. I've said it a lot and I'll keep saying it. The goal of the conference in football is to put a team into that final four. At least that's where the goalposts are at right now. So as long as that is the goal, then the Big Ten absolutely should be doing this move. Having an idea where you're putting an Iowa team that has three losses in a Big Ten championship game with the potential to end Michigan's season this year, that's not smart. That's just not smart management of your football conference. If you can say at the end of the season with this new system that, hey, we'll decide the two teams with the best Big Ten records, you're in the Big Ten championship game or whatever it is, or maybe we'll just decide who goes to the Big Ten championship game. Again, getting rid of divisions, I'm all for because it hurts the Big Ten in football more than it helps it, by far. But I think that the question has always been, okay, well, what do you replace it with? And quite honestly, I'm a big fan of this system. Not just because it gets you playing everybody more often, which I think is better just as a whole, too. But at the same time, it helps the Big Ten a whole lot. Because I have seen, at least I think, The Big Ten has the most to lose by keeping it the way it is right now. It has the most to lose by allowing an Iowa or a Wisconsin, whoever it may be, to play spoiler in the last week of the regular season. Or I guess if you call the Big Ten championship game the regular season or postseason, I don't know. But anyway, the point is, you have, if you're the Big Ten, every single year, You are going to put one team into that Big Ten championship game at least, which is ready to go to the college football playoff. Throughout the course of that regular season, you will have been shaping and molding that resume, and by the time you get to Big Ten championship Saturday, 
The hope is, if you are the conference, that you have a team ready to go and then you just have to win that one game, make it easy, check that last box, and you're in. It was Michigan this year. It's been Ohio State in recent seasons. But at the same time, that last hurdle of winning the Big Ten has always been met by a team on the other side of the sidelines that just isn't fit for it. Now, that's fine as long as the Michigan and Ohio State side of it keeps winning, and it has been. But again, the Big Ten could have put just Michigan and Ohio State in that title game if they had just not followed their own stupid rules of these divisions. It's something they can do again and again. I I think I don't see a downside, aside from maybe you're not playing again everybody you would like to every single season. But I think that I was thinking about it before. I don't think there is a Big Ten team where a fan base is going to get too upset if there's a fourth team that gets left off the every year schedule, right? Because that's really the only downside I could think of. Right now, Big Ten teams have six teams they're playing pretty much every year. That would go down to three. But I'm trying to think like Michigan has Michigan State and Ohio State it would want to play every year. Then maybe there's a third one, but there's not a fourth, right? A fourth that would get off the list, get left off. I don't think anybody really has, like Wisconsin has Minnesota, it has Iowa. But other than that, you know, maybe there's a third one there too that I'm missing, but I don't think there's a fourth. So I don't think that you would lose any big games that you would want to see every single year by doing it this way. And the benefits you get back are just huge, huge. So again, I am all for it. Those summer months are creeping up on us just a few weeks away if you're not already in full-on summer weather mode now. And that means you may want to get back into the gym, make sure you get that body in summer beach shape. And if you're trying to get through a workout or just through your day, you can get a lot of help by going to Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They've got everything that you want out of your protein products all packed into one. More than 15 grams of proteins with less than 5 grams of carbs and sugars, while also putting 100% real chocolate into their bars. It really does look and taste like a candy bar out of your protein products. And again, they have all sorts of a variety of things for you to choose from too, whether it be the little powders you can pour into the drinks, new built puffs, marshmallows flavored too that you can pop right in your mouth, get a little shot of protein that way. Whatever it is that you need and whatever it is that you like to get your protein supplements into your body, you can do it with Built Bar. Head on over to Built.com right now. Use our promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off and get started with Built Bar today. You will not go away once you start, I promise. Back in on Locked On Big Ten, I'm your host, Nate Dickinson. We talked a little bit on the football side. Let's talk about the basketball side. Andy Katz, big Big Ten reporter, just a big national college basketball reporter, but does a lot of work with the Big Ten Network in particular. He put out a list of his top transfers that have come into the Big Ten here in basketball this offseason. And I wanted to run down the list, not really just to look at the names. We've heard a lot of the names that we're going to be talking about here on his list, too, but Really just more big picture stuff that I wanted to get into and talk about why it is that none of these transfers are really jumping off the page the way I I want them to and the way we've talked about needing them to for some of these Big Ten teams in this offseason. So let's just start going by by going down the list. 1 to 12. 
Uh, number one at the top of the list, and I can't disagree, is Terrence Shannon Jr., the Texas Tech transfer going into Illinois, a double-digit scorer who's been playing consistent minutes, if not starting, for three seasons for the Red Raiders. Number two, Dalton or Dawson Garcia coming into Minnesota. Number three, Tanner Holden coming into Ohio State. Number four, Jalen Llewellyn coming into Michigan. Number five, Sam Griesel into Nebraska. Number six, Sam McNeil going into Ohio State. Number seven, Jameer Young into Maryland. Number eight, Cam Spencer into Rutgers. Nine and ten, both into Penn State. Andrew Funk and Cam Winter. Kamari McGee into Wisconsin. And then Travis, er, I'm sorry, I'm missing a guy, Cooper from Minnesota, whose first name I'm missing. It starts with a T. But anywho, he's not someone I want to talk about huge right now anyway. Who I want to talk about is really the group of guys who are coming in here, who are coming into teams that aren't really set to be contenders, right? You saw a Minnesota team last season pretty much make up an entire roster out of these transfer guys. They add in Garcia, Cooper, who are both on this list, but Minnesota's still not going to contend. Same for Penn State. They add in two guys on this list. They're not really going to contend. Rutgers has one. Maryland has one. Nebraska has one. Some of the top guys coming into this conference right now aren't coming into teams who are ready to be contenders. I think Terrence Shannon Jr. is going to be a really big addition for Illinois. But can he come in and be that kind of program-changing player right away this season? I just don't know if I see that kind of star power coming into the Big Ten right now. I mean, I guess I'm comparing it to last season, which was a a huge, huge difference in the talent going in and coming out. I mean, I'm thinking about like a guy like Marcus Carr, who was an all-Big Ten selection going out of that program and going into Texas, a team that was already really good and just adding in a star point guard too. Those are the kind of guys I want to see coming into the Big Ten this offseason. Because the spots are there. The playing time's there. The points are there. The exposure's there to be had, right? And while, yes, there aren't really any teams right now just set up to be contenders in the Big Ten, there are plenty of players who, if they had come here or if they do come here, could help make teams right back there again. I mean, Michigan's going to be good next year. Indiana's going to be good next year. And to be fair, Michigan and Indiana have some guys coming in here too. But at least I was hoping that if you're looking at a list of 12 players of guys coming in from the transfer portal, top guys into this conference, I would imagine a vast majority of them go to top teams. But I think it's seven, eight out of these 12 guys are on teams that aren't going to be doing anything next year. Again, Terrence Shannon Jr. is good. Double-digit score on a team in a Power 5 conference. But can he do it at the next level? Same thing with a guy like Tanner Holden at Ohio State. 20 points per game last season at Wright State. But can he do it here on the biggest stage? There are guys who, in these portals the last couple of years, were locks that you can just put them in and say, okay, these are guys who can help teams get a lot, lot better. And maybe those guys just aren't there to the same degree this offseason, or maybe they haven't just committed, and there is going to be a big influx of talent coming in here. But at least the way that I see it right now, I'm seeing the Big Ten getting guys that are good, but not great. 
not the best, not the ones that are going to put you over the top and put you back into contention with everybody else who's already great right now. It's confusing because, again, the time is there to be had. The playing time, the points, the scoring, it's there for someone to take. But at least the way it is right now, it seems like I'm not ready to say anybody is just going to be that top guy. Again, Terrence Shannon's going to be really good, but like Jalen Llewellyn coming into Michigan, he was a three-year starter at Princeton, 15 points per game. Can he be very good? Yes, sure. Will he add some points? I'm sure he will. But at the same time, he's not a game changer. Sean McNeil, 12 points per game last year at West Virginia. Kamari McGee, 11 points per game as a freshman at Green Bay coming to Wisconsin. Can he be a good player for the Badgers? Sure, but he's coming off a freshman year at a mid-major school in which he averaged barely double digits. He can't trust that to be someone who can fill in the kind of shoes that a guy like Johnny Davis leaves behind. That's what I'm talking about. The guy who's coming into Wisconsin to try and replace Johnny Davis's scoring production in the transfer portal should be someone who, at least in my mind, is more than a freshman year at a mid-major double-digit point scorer kind of guy. I think there's just a notch above that that Wisconsin and all these other teams can be getting that I'm not seeing them get. We'll talk more, and again, there's more decisions to be made in the transfer portal, so there will be a lot of discussion about that in the next few weeks and months, I know. After we come back, we got Big Ten news to get to as we wrap things up here on the week. You're listening into Locked On Big Ten. Welcome back into Locked On Big Ten. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson. Wrapping things up here today, some news to get you before we go on a Friday around the Big Ten. Uh, first off, some news off the court field, whatever it is you want to call it. A big sh- Bill Sheridan, Wisconsin linebackers coach, has resigned from the program amidst allegations from when he was a coach at Air Force involving impermissible benefits to recruits that they had on campus while he was with, again, that Air Force team. He was with the team in February when he joined, says he's resigning here to avoid any sort of, of course, distractions or anything along those lines. It's weird for him to be with such the team for such a short amount of time. I mean, you have to assume Wisconsin kind of knew a little bit at least about what was going on with this kind of stuff. But again, he's in and out in a matter of what's only a few months. Also, an off-the-field kind of stuff, a judge in Nebraska has dismissed the Title IX claims against the university made by four women who were former student-athletes who said that the university mishandled their reports of sexual assault. Again, that doesn't mean that things didn't happen. This never went to trial or anything like that. Judge, uh, again, I'm not... You know, I shouldn't even get into the legal part of it. If you want to know more, you should look up and read it yourself. I am not a lawyer or an expert enough to tell you exact details or at least be comfortable doing so. Back to on-the-field news in the Big Ten. The softball tournament for the Big Ten title is really getting uh, into the thick of things now as we went through the quarterfinals yesterday. Our winners in that round, Nebraska defeats Penn State 3-1. Ohio State beats Illinois 5-1. Northwestern beats Wisconsin 5-2, and Michigan defeats Maryland 7-0, the final score. That sets up today's semifinal matchups, Nebraska versus Ohio State, Michigan against Northwestern. Also, the Big Ten Outdoor Track and Field Championships start today, taking place in Minnesota. I 
would have picked a different spot if I was trying to keep everybody warm for those events. But again, it's in Minneapolis. Field events, some distance and hurdles taking place here on your Friday. Also, Big Ten Rowing Championships are this Sunday in Indianapolis at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Some, or, uh, number six, Michigan, is the favorite going into that event. Also in basketball news, Jordan Hulls, a former Indiana basketball player, will be joining Mike Woodson's staff as a recruiting coordinator. And that's it for news here in the Big Ten and again for our show today on Locked On Big Ten. Thanks again for making the show your first listen every single weekday. We are with you back again on a Monday to update you on everything that happens over the weekend. Until then, I'm Nate Dickinson. This has been Locked On Big Ten.